0: Welcome back to another episode of Positive Productivity. This is your host, Kim Sutton. And today I'm thrilled to have Amy Bradbury from Numbers Done Differently with us. Welcome, Amy.
1: Hi, Kim. I'm so thrilled to be here with you.
0: Oh, I am thrilled to have you here as well. And listeners, you know, I have mentioned it before, and I promise it will be coming out in the near future. The blooper reel will be coming out, and already, I think we're like two seconds into the res- this recording, already I've added like five more <laughs> clips to, to the blooper reel. Thank goodness for editors. <laughs> <laughs> At least we know we're going to have fun on this one. You know, for sure. Yeah, already laughing. For sure. Amy is, as I already mentioned, the CEO and founder of Numbers Done Differently, where she helps entrepreneurs see their numbers differently. Amy, I definitely want you to talk about this. And while you're talking about it, can you share with listeners what your journey has been and more about what you are doing now?
1: Absolutely. Yeah. I started a bookkeeping practice 13 years ago after feeling locked in a cubicle at the CPA firm where I was working, doing taxes and just feeling like I needed to break out and have some freedom. And I didn't really know what I wanted to do, but I knew that I was really good at QuickBooks and, you know, talking to clients. And so I said, well, why not? I'm just going to go start my business So that was 13 years ago. And we've gone through many, many, many different phases of that business, shall we say. And through that journey, I learned a lot about entrepreneurs and working with them so closely in their businesses, and especially with the online entrepreneur, which is one of the markets that we specifically service. And what I learned is, first of all, they, you know, there's a couple of different categories of entrepreneurs when it comes to their numbers. So they either, you know, they don't look at their numbers because they don't even know what to look at. And it's just this overwhelming mess of information And they, even if they look at it, they don't really know how to use it in their business or what to do with it or what questions to ask, or there's just this whole big source of not, not knowing, right. And not understanding. And then you have another category of entrepreneurs who, you know, they maybe have questions about their business. And so they try and look at their numbers, but they're not even really sure if the numbers that they're looking at are accurate because they don't have a team in place that they trust to take care of the numbers for them. And once they have a financial report in front of them, it's not really the whole picture of their business. So it's like, well, I also need to have my marketing information and I also need to have my social media information. I also need to have, you know, information from my shopping cart and all of this stuff compiled. And then it turns into so many numbers to look at that it's like, well, I don't have all day to sit and look at my numbers. I need to go make sales and, you know, build a business. So,
0: <laughs> oh my gosh, the numbers I look at are my bank account and my PayPal account. Yep. Yep. Just and that's to make great. Sure that I mean, that's a good, not that's
1: right. That's a good start. Right. I mean, that's a good place to, to, to look at for sure. Um,
0: and, I and so suppose that's why we have another appointment coming
1: up. So. <laughs> 100%. But you know, you're ahead of a lot of people who don't even look at that because, you know, and sometimes it's that you're not looking at your numbers because you don't really want to know what they say, because a lot of us, in our businesses go through periods of not feeling like we have enough money or that there's enough sales or that there's enough profit or like the whatever the lack is you know that we're feeling and so looking at the numbers kind of cements that for some people but what i actually find is when people look at their numbers more the numbers are actually better than they think most of the time you know most of my clients come in and they're like oh i just don't know what to do i you know i feel like I'm totally broke and you know I don't have any money coming into it. and when we dig in and look at the numbers I'm like oh yeah, we have plenty of money coming in like that's not the problem let's look at what the actual problem is and so most times the situation is actually better than they thought and they can identify that by actually looking at the numbers which is super powerful
0: i think that is such an interesting point and i just had to use a personal example last year i was astounded because i am still guilty of doing my taxes myself mhm i can hear the groan out there you hear it <laughs> I was astounded by actually the revenue that was brought in, Yeah. but I had no idea until I did my taxes, how much money had gone out for contractor expenses. Oh yes. And then I saw my personal income and I was shocked. Yeah. I was like, well, no matter, or no wonder it hurt just a little bit throughout the year.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. And then you look at how much you're paying your team and you're like, oh my gosh, I'm paying my team like twice as much money as I'm being paid. Like how come there isn't more money left over for me, you know, at the end of the month.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. I paid some team members more than I paid myself last year.
1: Absolutely. And it's not to say that those team members aren't like valuable contributors to your team and that they don't deserve to be paid well for the job that they're doing, but there has to be a way to set up your business so that you know what those expenses are so that you can start from, I'm going to actually talk about this in a second, but like the process of how to figure out what your number, what your sales need to be. It, it shouldn't start from what your team needs to be paid. It actually needs to start with you having a light item in there of being paid yourself. And people skip that a lot. And they're like, well, I just kind of take what's left over, you know? And there's a, a brilliant book, Profit First, which is one of my favorite books that really addresses this issue where if you're not actually paying yourself a salary, like you don't just get what's left over on you from your business because there will never be anything left over, right? Like that's just kind of the law of the way that the money works. Right. And so you want to do something very similar to, like when we had real jobs, you know, back in the day before we all started these crazy businesses and you had a 401k plan and they just kind of took the money out of your payroll check and you never saw it. And it just went into this imaginary bank account. And then that's supposed to be what you retire on and live on, you know, later in your life. But if you think about your pay the same way and you like move it out of the business bank account super early in the process, it will be there and there will be enough money left for all the expenses because it has to, right? Like a whole has to come out of what's left. So anyway, that's a whole soapbox that I could go on for hours and hours and hours. But you have to pay yourself as the CEO and you should be thinking of yourself as the CEO of the business, not, oh, I get, you know, what's left at the end of the day. Like you shouldn't live on the crumbs of your business.
0: <laughs> no, you totally shouldn't. And I have like fifty thousand questions that just came off up after okay. of that. But one of the biggest realizations for me came from a discussion with my business coach where he was questioning me about what I was charging for services. And uh-huh. Amy, you and I know because we've worked together on Infusionsoft services before, so you know how much some contractors pay or charge yeah. for Infusionsoft services. Yep, absolutely. Well, I, I was charging like half of what I should have been, e- mm-hmm. maybe even less than half. Mm-hmm. And the contractors were getting three quarters, if not as high as 90% of that. Wow. And I wasn't even thinking about the value of my time to go out there and secure those clients. No. Oh, 100%. Yeah. No, I wasn't working on the client work itself and, you know, generally, but I was still using hours and hours of time submitting proposals and meeting with clients and all the paperwork. And at the end of the day, maybe I was making five to $10 an hour off of all that work that I was doing. Wow. Which is ridiculous. I agree. (laughs) I agree. Things have changed since then, definitely. Yeah,
1: yeah, that's good. That's good. And I think that there is this, you know, again, when you're really looking at the numbers and looking at that kind of stuff, you can see, oh, wait a minute. And one of the ways that you can look at your numbers in a super easy way is breaking things down, you know, client by client and just seeing, okay, well, how much money is this client earning me in sales? What are the expenses that are for this client? And what is the profit for this client? or you can look at it like service by service. So, you know, I know you Kim have tons of different things that you do in your business. You know, you've got your infusion soft support, you have um, other marketing support that I know that you do. And then you have just other random stuff that you do for people because you have such a, an incredible wealth of knowledge of all these things that you've just accumulated over the years. Right. And when you break down maybe, okay, what is my infusion soft support versus, I don't know, setting someone up, systematizing the back end of their business or, you know, some of these other things and breaking things down by the service. And then looking at what your, what your expenses are, what your revenue is and what your profit is. You can really get an idea of like, wow, I shouldn't actually be doing that anymore in my business. It's actually costing me more money to offer that service to my clients. Or, you know, I've got to raise my prices. I've got to cut my expenses. But if you're just looking at your numbers overall in your business, sometimes some of those details can get a little bit lost. And, Not to say that the CEO should be the one actually doing all of this number crunching. Like you definitely should have someone on your team that's taking this information, putting this all together in a nice format and showing it to you and walking you through it so that you can then take that information and use it to make decisions in your business on what you're going to do next.
0: Okay, you're hired. We don't need to talk later. Let's go back though, to where you were talking about all the different numbers that people need to be looking at, because I know what you were working on earlier this year. I'd love if you're still working on it, I'd love for you to share. If not, we'll edit this part out. Yeah, but no, I am. There's so many numbers to look at and it's so important with the ROI or the return on investment. So can you share more about that, please?
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. So what I found in my years of working with the entrepreneurs is you know, there's all these different numbers that are in your business and they're not all just financial. Like a lot of times when people are like, you need to know your numbers, people are like, Oh, that means like how much I spent on office supplies. And it's all about my expenses. And if I know my numbers, that means I'm going to have to go on a budget and nobody likes the B word. And like, it's, it's just all this negative, you know, feelings around it, but there's actually a lot of other numbers in your business that you want to look at things like, Uh, you know, people that opted in for a certain opt-in report. So like different marketing things, you want to know your numbers of your sales funnel. How many people came in the top of the sales funnel? What's your conversion rate for every stage? How many people to get the number of people out of the bottom, you know, that you need? Um, What's your engagement like on your social media platforms? Where are you getting better engagement? What kinds of topics are getting better engagement for you? What's going on with your Google analytics? And so people are tracking all of these numbers in all of these different places in their business. But what we created was actually a software platform called ProfitBoard that pools all the data in one place and gives you a CEO dashboard that you can use to t- You spend about 15 minutes a week looking at this dashboard. And it will help you dramatically increase your revenue in your business just by knowing all the different numbers, having them all in one place you don't have to spend tons of time going and hunting around for everything. You can use this on your team meetings. So when you're working with your marketing team, you can look at your marketing dashboard and be like, "Okay, here's what the numbers are. What are the decisions we're making from these numbers, and how are we going to, you know, change things going forward based on these numbers?"
0: I am sitting here looking to my right. Not that that matters, which I'm looking. But I have what's, um, I forgot the name of the group, but it's the chalkboard method. And it's this whole whiteboard where I had written down basically what you're talking about, the dashboard. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. But in all honesty, this was written for last quarter. I mean, mm-hmm. the, the cycle ended more than a month ago. So mm-hmm. I was supposed to go in, delete all those dates, start updating for last month. We're in a completely new month now, and I haven't even updated it to start recording.
1: Well, and who has time? I mean, who has time to do all that updating? So, the beauty is of Profit Board, it automatically links into your software. So, when you make a sale in Infusionsoft, it updates on your Profit Board. You don't have to print a report out, go into a Google Doc, Put it in there, put it on a whiteboard. Like it automatically happens. We set up all of that linking and that reporting. We talk with you and figure out what your goals are of your business and help you figure out what it is that you should be tracking in your business. Because as I said before, a lot of people don't even know what numbers they should be looking at. A lot of people look at what I lovingly call, and I didn't coin this term, but I certainly use it all the time vanity metrics, which is like how many people like me on Facebook, how many people are on my email list, which I actually don't really care about that has no significant impact on the profitability of your business. If you have a hundred thousand people that like you on Facebook, but you can't actually get them to do anything when you want them to do something, it's worthless, right? So, no, it's <laughs> so like we talking have, to a brick wall. Exactly. Exactly. And you know, it's not going to help you get any closer to your business goals. So we help you figure out like, okay, what are my goals? What should my goals be? What numbers do I need to track to figure out how to get closer to my goals? What reports do we need to automatically pull in from all of your different software platforms to create this beautiful one-stop CEO dashboard that tells you everything you need to know about your business? Like, completely it's it's amazing and it's beautiful and it's pretty and it has pictures on it and there's little sentences that tell you things like congratulations you hit this goal or hey you need to work on this or hey you know like my programmer has just done an amazing job with creating this platform and my clients just they they love it and they're getting incredible results because it's not looking at a ridiculously boring spreadsheet or a financial statement it's like it's pictures and pretty graphs and charts and like a little dash, like a gas tank from your car that says like, okay, this is what your goal is. This is how, like, this is full. This is where you are. So you can immediately visualize where everything stands in your business. And literally when I say 15 minutes a week, you can spend 15 minutes a week looking at this thing and it will change your business.
0: I'm seeing one of those United Way boards right now. If you're in America, you know what I'm talking about. United uh-huh. Way donation board. Absolutely. You to see how full the vial is.
1: Absolutely. Every nonprofit you know, has something like that when they're doing fundraising and, and trying to raise money because it's a really nice visual of, okay, well, this is where you are. Let's celebrate where you are, but let's actually have a visual representation of where the gap is between where you are and where you want to go. And then the other thing that we do, which is, again, you know, this whole like numbers differently thing, is we actually tie in a little bit of like vision boarding with this because it's not enough for me just to have a client say, I want to make $100,000 this year. And I would encourage everybody listening to this podcast to to not do that anymore, right? Like don't set your goals that way. Don't say I want to make $100,000 this year because it needs to be tied to something greater than that or you won't actually, like when the going gets tough and things are hard, you'll quit. We all do, right? Like you have to be more emotionally integrated into what that goal is. And so instead of saying I want to make $100,000 a year, the thing that I challenge my clients to do is to tell me why. What is your shopping list? What are you going to buy with that money? Why do you need it? It's not enough just to say, I want to have a balance in my bank account of hundred thousand dollars. Like that's boring. Nobody actually cares about that, right? You want a Disney vacation. You want a certain school for your kids. You want a certain vacation with your husband or your wife or a, a dream house or like whatever the visual representation is of those things. And then I have my clients pull together images, just like you would for a vision board, put those together. And then on your profit board, as you're looking at your numbers and you're looking at your sales and you're looking at your profit and all this other stuff, these pictures and these images are circling through, reminding you of what your goals are and why you're doing this. And, you know, oh yeah, that, that's the dream house that I want. How close am I to that dream house? And we can set up a gauge. I need $5,000 for my Disney vacation. How much do I have? So that you can be constantly working towards very specific goals instead of these arbitrary numbers that people call out, because that's what everyone on Facebook is telling them, you know, their goals should be.
0: You just stole my whole vision board well not stole I mean, you've obviously done your market research it's The Disney vacation the dream house
1: absolutely listeners absolutely. I
0: cannot deny that I want a, my own bathroom so that potty training toddlers <laughs> stop walking in when I'm trying to go positive productivity <laughs> podcast where we get real and stop <laughs> worrying about being perfectly proper all the time right oh for sure uh, for sure before we go any further i just realized that there are probably a whole bunch of brains exploding out there wondering why i haven't shared where people can find out about profit board and all the uh, materials that you're that we are talking about so, listeners, I know you want to find out more. Head on over to thekimsutton.com forward slash pp040 for episode 40. And there you will be able to get all the show notes, all the links, the full transcript, all the great info about this episode. So, Amy, I put a post up on my Facebook page. What can profit board tell me about that post? It can
1: tell you if it's in, so it's on a page that you own that you're the admin of. That's very important. So we can only track things because of the ownership of Facebook and privacy. We can only track things that you own. So whether it's on a page or in a group that you're the admin of, a lot of people use a private Facebook group for marketing. If it's your group, absolutely. Yeah. So like if you start a positive productivity podcast group, We can track metrics from that group if you're the admin of the group. Um, And we can look at how many people liked certain posts that you did, how many people commented on them. We can pull things by hashtags. So you can develop your own system internally of how you want to code your posts so that you know which ones are getting the most engagement, the most comments, and the most likes. And that can be really helpful for people to try and figure out. I really want to get people to engage with me on Facebook, but I don't know what to say to them. Like, how do I figure out what, what to even say? You can test out different topics and you might find out that posting a cat video gets the most engagement that you can get. And nobody wants to talk to you when you ask them a question about their numbers. I mean, that might only be my experience, but, uh, (laughs) so then you can figure out, first of all, you can figure out maybe Facebook is a waste of my time and I shouldn't be doing anything on Facebook anyway, because I'm not getting any engagement. And there's another channel that I'm looking at on my profit board where there's actually activity, right? So that's one way of using it. Uh, but the other way is really, like I said, just figuring out like what kinds of information people are um, doing, uh, responding to and, and um, you know, developing a conversation with you around. And then the other thing is to even track your goals. Like I want to post three times a week on Facebook and you can have a chart that says, did I meet my goal? So it's almost like, you know, wearing your Fitbit. Did I make my steps? Did I make my steps? Like, did I meet the goal of doing these three posts that I wanted to do this week? And then it will give you a gold star or, you know, a sad face if you didn't do it.
0: (laughs) Have you seen the new updates that just came out for Asana with the boards by any chance? I
1: have. Yes, they are so pretty. I'm so excited because I was using Trello for a lot of stuff that I needed the visual board for. And now I might be able to put it all back into Asana, which is pretty cool, but that's a whole other story. So, yeah.
0: (laughs) But I'm just thinking, the reason why I ask is because a lot of the metrics that you just talked about, like how many times I want to post a week I had on Asana and my boards Mm -hmm. as a daily task. Mm -hmm.
1: And you've Mm -hmm. just
0: simplified it and put it all into one system. Yeah. Listeners, just so you know, while we have, while we did talk about profit board months ago it's been way too long since we talked amy I agree but, but i had well brain farted a lot of it and just got busy with life and i don't know that i've even heard about all these great features so this is as new to me as it <laughs> is to you well and i'm and just then... so excited and i'm not a user but yet not yet, yet. Not, I, yet. I, uh, not yet not well, yet i will be in touch within seconds of us. Absolutely. Well, and
1: the beautiful thing is that when we talked originally, a lot of this stuff wasn't part of profit board. And what the, what I find so exciting about having my own business is that when I see that there is a need of something that somebody has, I call my developer. I'm like, Oh, do you think it would be so cool if we could X, Y, Z? And she's like, oh, we could totally figure out how to, a way how to do that. Okay, great. Or she'll call me and say, so I was like poking around and what do you think about this? And so we're constantly improving the software and constantly listening to things that our clients are doing because I'm talking with our clients all the time about their businesses and about what they're tracking. And I'm kind of keeping an eye on how they're using their profit boards and asking them like, what questions are you using this to answer? And how can I make that experience better for you? Uh, we're constantly changing it and we're constantly improving it. And software and technology is constantly improving. So there's always more things that we can do. And, you know, when you sign up for profit board, you don't like, it's a software as a service. So you pay a subscription for it. So you get all of the updates and everything that's a new change. You don't have to pay extra, you know, to get those integrated back into your board, which is really cool. Oh, that's
0: so phenomenal. I love
1: it. Yeah. It's fun. It allows us to have like a creative outlet, which sounds funny for an accountant to say that she needs a creative outlet, but you know, it really gives me that ability to have that creativity. And my developer is a longtime friend of mine. Funny, you know, funny connection that I had no idea that she even, I had no idea what her job was because I've only ever known her as a stay at home mom. Because when I met her, she was a stay at home mom. She's a friend of her, her husband and my husband are friends. And one day I was talking to her, her kids had gone back to school and we were having a conversation. She was saying that she wanted to get back into the workforce. And I was like, Oh, have you ever heard of, she wanted to work from home. And so I was trying to help her think of things that she could do from home. And I said, well, have you ever heard of like a VA? No. Okay. So I'm sending her some resources that she can look at to maybe just be a VA. Cause she wanted really flexible hours needed to be essentially a stay at home mom other than when the kids were at school. And then she could work during those windows And she was like, yeah. And she was like, what are you up to in your business? And I was like, well, I'm, I had this idea to create this dashboard and this is what it would look like. And I can see it in my head, but I'm not sure how it gets down on paper. And she goes, you've got to be kidding me. And I was like, why, what? And she said, in the last job that I had before I you know, left to have my kids, I programmed dashboards for rocket ships. And I was like, what? You're literally a rocket scientist. And she's like, Well, I guess. Yeah. I mean, she's very humble, but she was like, Yeah, so I know how to tell a you know rocket ship if its battery's going dead. And I was like, Well, certainly that's the same thing as telling an entrepreneur if they're gonna run out of money. And she was like, Yeah. <laughs> so she came on board and is my lead developer and has so many creative, amazing ideas of, you know, her brain works in a totally different way than my brain works, which is totally different than the way, you know, your brain works, Cam, or my other clients. And so we're able to, you know, bring all of these brilliant minds together to create this amazing platform. And it's so much fun to work with her because she's one of my dearest friends. So it's really been a, a really awesome, awesome experience.
0: Amy, I'm writing a book right now. The title has yet to be determined, but you know, I have chronic idea disorder. You, yes, see the <laughs> yes. Um, <Okay. laughs> but anyway, this book has yet to be named. I just haven't come up with the great idea of the name yet. And Last night, I was actually writing about team members because as you were just saying, I've had, well, you weren't saying about Heaven Sent and Hell Sent team members, but I've had, you know, the Hell Sent ones who really just were not good for my business. Oh, Oh, yeah. I've had a few of them, too, for sure. It's been been fun to, to say it politely. And I've had those heaven sent team members who, even if we aren't working together at the moment, always come with ideas. And I love doing that for clients that I'm not necessarily working with at the moment either. If I come, if I see something, then I'll share it with them and say, hey, I thought about you. But isn't it just so amazing when you do come up, when you do have a relationship like that, where team members are so vested yes. in your success. I love that. Yes, And I was going to ask you how you met your developer and how that relationship started, but thank you for Yeah, me
1: Turns I- out we were friends all along and I had no idea. I mean, I always knew she was like crazy smart. We always joked that, you know, she's the smartest person that we know. And so we, I always knew she was really intelligent and we had had conversations about what her job was in the past. It just didn't, it didn't really matter. Honestly, I didn't care that she was a satellite programmer and a rocket ship programmer. So that stuff, it didn't have any, I was impressed by it, but it didn't actually mean anything until I'm having this conversation with her about the dashboard. And she tells me that. And I was like, you have got to be kidding me. And of course I call my coach. I tell my coach this whole conversation and my coach goes, of course, of course the universe brought you the perfect developer. Like, of course that happened. And I was like, oh yeah, I need to start just living my life in a way that I just say, of course, these miracles, you know, happen to me all the time, right? Like, of course, when I'm in flow, things just show up that I need. It was really cool.
0: <laughs> you are ripping questions right out of my head because I was about <laughs> to ask you about the universe and fate and, you know, do you believe in it? Well, you just took care of
1: that Uh, question. 100%. 100%. Yeah. And I can look back over the journey that I had over the 13 years in my business and I tried to do a lot of different things. Like I learned about this whole world of, you know, the online marketing business where you can have passive income and make money in your sleep and make money while you're sipping pina coladas on the beach. And I was like, as a ridiculously overworked, overtired, like rundown accountant, bookkeeper, uh, CFO, whatever, I was like, oh my gosh, that's so attractive. And so I tried for a long time to do a lot of different things that would be passive revenue. And it, none of them worked. None of them worked because I learned that people didn't want to just buy a program about their numbers. They wanted me to do their numbers for them. And so I built different types of leverage into my business by hiring a team and figuring out, getting so clear on what it is that my clients want and the results were able to get them. So I could increase my you know, package prices and we provide a premium level of service to our clients. So I don't have to work with Nearly the number of clients that I had to work with in the past to meet my numbers. And so I have that space when you were talking about having ideas for clients that you're not even working with anymore. Like, you can't have that if every single minute of 24 hours of every day is like so scheduled and you're so tight on working with every client. Like, you need some time to just think and take a walk and meditate and go to a yoga class and do all of that stuff and have that space in your schedule. And You know, I consider that stuff to be just as productive time in my calendar as the time that I'm actually like sitting at my computer reconciling somebody's bank statement or creating some complicated spreadsheet for them because that's when the ideas and the creativity come. So, you know, being able to to get clear on, well, you know what, it's okay that this part this version of leverage doesn't work for me, but I'm going to figure out a way. I still have these goals on my vision board and I'm going to figure out a different way, you know, to make them happen, um, has been a really fun journey. And when I look back on it, I think, okay, I see now why that happened. I see now why that happened because, because of that, I had this experience, which now has enabled me, you know, led me to this next step or, you know, it's, it's really interesting when you go back and look at it that way.
0: Oh yeah. And I can totally see how opening up your space by, you know, cutting down the number of clients and your workload and all those extras that you're doing can open up so much more creativity. I cannot deny also just saying that last night when I was working on the book and writing about the the team members, Mm -hmm. it was the second time in a week that I've actually marathon watched all for the Hunger Game videos. And oh, nice. <laughs> yeah. And it had been forever before last weekend when I had actually sat down and watched anything besides Mickey Mouse Club. And, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Daniel Tiger. I've had enough of those. <laughs> but, but I still managed by giving myself that space last night. I think I wrote three to 4,000 words, which... Yep, that's a lot. It, it was a lot. It got me back on track, I mean, with my goals and... <laughs> Yeah. Great. I mean, I, I, it's not, for me, it's not an issue of not having the ideas. It's having the time yep. to sit down when I'm not working on client work to actually work on those projects.
1: Absolutely. And I think as a service provider, that's the hardest thing in our businesses to balance, right? Is that like, okay, well right now I'm working on your business, but I really should be working on my business. And how do I make sure that I have enough time to work on my business? And I don't know if you know about, um, Steven Pressfield's work, but he writes amazing stuff about resistance and the things that we do when we're in resistance. And I have totally identified that my resistance, like when I'm getting ready to write something, that's maybe a blog post that I'm going to send out that might be, you know, might feel a little bit scary. And I'm kind of like, Oh, I don't know. I'm kind of putting myself out there here. I'll be like, you know what? I have some client work I need to finish before I do this. And so my default is like, Oh, let me go and work on client work instead of working on my business. And, It's a struggle every day to say, okay, you know what? It's okay. My deadline is Friday. I have until Friday. I have plenty of space in my calendar to get that done. Right now, this is what I need to be focused on. And it's exhausting some days. I'm not going to lie. Like some days I'm like... I don't even want to, I'm just going to go back and do taxes for an accounting firm and just not even do this anymore. Like, forget it. And then I look on Facebook at the posts of people who are sitting in traffic for an hour to get home from work. And I'm able to walk to my son's school and bring him home from school. And I think, okay, never mind. No, I am. I am committed to doing this.
0: (laughs) Oh, I, I will do anything I have to, to not have you know, the eagle eye watching how long I just spent on my lunch break.
1: Yes. Oh my gosh. I cannot imagine. I really, you know, when I first had, I only have one uh, son, Gibson, he's six years old. And I remember looking back when I, I've had my business 13 years and he's six. So like I had my business before I had my husband, before I had my child, like it, it was my first, you know, big major commitment in my life. And I remember when I got pregnant with him, a lot of my friends still worked in corporate America and they were like, "Oh, how much maternity leave are you taking?" and I was like, "Uh, I don't know what that means." Like, what do you mean maternity leave? Like I'm not going to work? And they were like, "Yeah, you have like 6 weeks of time." And I thought, "There's no way that I could not work for 6 weeks." First of all, because I like working and I enjoy it and I don't want to just not work for 6 weeks. But also because I have all this client work that needs to get done and, you know, the blessing and the curse of bookkeeping and numbers and money is that there's always new information. Like the business is always, someone else's business is always making sales and generating expenses. So there's always something more for me to do for them. And I remember saying to them, I don't think I'm going to take a maternity leave. And they were like, that's insane. And I was like, I don't need to, because I can get up and work for a couple of hours in the morning, have someone come to the house, you know, put Gibson down for a nap. And then when he wakes up, have someone come to the house to sit in the other room with him while I work for a while. And we made that work for over a year when he was a baby, because it was important to me that, you know, that was the way that I wanted to, to be a parent. And, you know, I watch my friends having to go back to work full time when their baby is like six weeks old. And I just think, I just can't, I can't imagine, you know, and the laws in this country and the things that we, you know, do for mothers in this country is a whole other soapbox and a whole other story, but in a whole other like feminist rant that I could go on. But, you know, at the end of the day, it's like, you have to design your life around what you really want and what's really important to you. And I I agree with you, Kim, I could never go back and have a job and have somebody say, Oh, I'm sorry that your son's sick, but you don't have any more sick days. So you can't take the day off. Like you have to figure something else out. It's like, what do you mean? Like, what?
0: (laughs) No, (laughs) no, absolutely not. And actually the only the only maternity leave that I took with my little since starting the business was because I was just so uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. I mean, with the twins, there'll oh, be God. two here in just well, actually a month. Oh my but gosh. It, two years yeah. old already. Holy cow. I know. By the time they were born and listeners, they were born in January of 2015. By the time they were born that Christmas, I was competing with Santa. I had a 60 inch waist. And but by the time they were born, I could not use my computer really, except for the fact that my husband had gotten me a wireless keyboard which I could place (laughs) on my belly. On your belly, on the shelf. (laughs) Yes, exactly, because I couldn't reach my desk if I was sitting in my chair. Plus it was just so uncomfortable. Oh yeah. After they were born, the only reason I wasn't working I mean I was back to work within two about two months after they were born. Because I love what I do, I mean, you yeah. couldn't keep me away any longer. Absolutely. But, but the only reason I didn't work before then was because I had them permanently attached, one on oh, one yeah. side and one on the other. I mean, absolutely. Poor Nevaeh, three years old. I think I put a keyboard on her head while I was feeding her. Just like <laughs> you, back to work. there's probably pictures somewhere.
1: <laughs> oh, I had a whole system rigged up with Gibson, so I could nurse at my desk and type and do conference calls, and I closed one of the biggest deals in the history of my company. I closed. I didn't, my sitter canceled for the day, of course, because that, you know, is typical of what happens when you have something really important going on in your business. And so my sitter canceled. So I was like, it's totally fine. If I nurse him, he'll be quiet while I'm on the call. Cause it was bad timing of course. And when he was awake, so I'm nursing him, his diaper explodes all over me and he threw up on me. And in the meantime, I, so I'm just kind of sitting in all of that and um, closing the deal. And close I closed the deal. I closed the, close the deal. And I was like, OK. And I kind of looked down and I was like, I guess this is modern motherhood. And I guess this is what I wanted.
0: <laughs> <laughs> That's so awesome.
1: <laughs> and then I probably collapsed into tears, I'm sure, at some point, you know, not too far after that.
0: I was like, why? I can't do
1: this, you know. But, but it, you know, I look back and I laugh and the client had no idea that. I even had a child, you know, home with me and I would just mute myself, but you know, and it worked out fine. And I don't know. I just think it's so, it's such a blessing to be able to structure these businesses in the way that we want to have them with our families too.
0: Well, we totally tried to have the twins, all three of the littles actually at home with us after the twins were born. But there was one client who no joke, one of the twins would start screaming every time we got on a call together.
1: So, <laughs> every yeah. time. Every and, time, right? <laughs> and
0: yes. And then there's that case where they go into daycare, or they go to school, and they start catching everything imaginable. Oh, my so God. Nice and then they way. bring
1: all of that home to you and get everybody else sick. It's so gross.
0: Oh, yeah. Pink eye is the house favorite. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You know, you. you... sorry, listeners, Positive Productivity Podcast, where you talk about kids putting their hands in poopy diapers and then getting <laughs> pink eye. <laughs> 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 uh, But I'm going to circle back around because I do have a burning question. Okay. And it has to do with numbers. Okay. I'm not talking about the number that went into the diaper. (laughs) (laughs) was not that a good segue? I love it. I love it. (laughs) So I struggle with this and I know I am not alone. Money comes into PayPal or money comes into the bank account. And I have been so guilty about not having a formal way to pay myself. Mm -hmm. Please tell me and other listeners, what we should be doing as far as paying ourselves in a way that won't get us in trouble with our local tax authority.
1: Yes. And, and I you're,
0: know, and I know that, you know, you're not on the record as our official you oh, know, sure. accounting advisor. So listeners, you know, this is just a recommendation.
1: Absolutely. And you should go and check with your own personal tax advisor. Um, but yeah, you're right, Kim. Like this is the most common, if you had to say, what is the most common problem that you see that entrepreneurs have with their businesses and with their money and their finances, I would say that they don't pay themselves overwhelmingly. And there is so much business satisfaction that we get out of just having a business and the freedom and you know all of that other stuff that's really not tangible that we're talking about. But at the end of the day, like you need to pay your groceries, you need to pay your mortgage, you need to pay your rent, you've got to have like money for Christmas and the Disney vacation and all of that other stuff. And so there's actually a couple of easy, quick and dirty ways that you can do this. The first thing that you can do is set up a separate bank account that can still be in the business name, totally fine. And every deposit that goes into your account, maybe not every day, but maybe like every Friday, total up what the deposits were for the week and take 10% of that number and put it in the other bank account and just move it. Move it out of your business bank account, out of your PayPal account and into the separate checking account. And then write
0: ourselves a check.
1: You can, you can, you can figure out like what from a tax perspective, talk to your tax person that like, okay, now this is the bucket of money that I can use to pay myself. Do I need to be on a payroll check? Do I take distributions? Like how do I get the money from there? But at least the process of moving it out of your business bank account with the intention in your head, I'm paying myself first, move it out of there. And then that can become your money. And then it becomes very easy when you, want to put yourself onto a payroll or something regular, you're already in the habit of having that like 10% at the top already set aside for yourself. So that's one quick, easy way. The second thing I would say is you need to know how much money you actually need to pay yourself. And so there's a lot of, there's a huge benefit to having clarity just on the numbers, just in general in your business, of course, overall. But you can do a really fun exercise that actually, you know what, Kim, I I have a little mini course on this that I would be happy to share with your listeners um, yes, please. that will actually walk them through this whole entire process step-by-step. Step. So I call it profit-fueled life. And it's the idea of everybody focuses too much on the sales of their business, but you actually need profit to fuel your life. Everything that you want to do in your business, everything you want to do personally, it comes from the profit in your business. So we need to figure out you know, how much you need to have for that so that then you can build your sales numbers and your revenue targets accordingly. So let me walk you through just a quick and dirty. So what I walk you through in this exercise is like a good, better, best of your life. So what is good? Okay. I have a cleaning lady that comes once a month. How much does that cost? Okay. What would be better than that? A cleaning lady that, or a cleaning person, sorry, cleaning company that comes Every other week. Great. How much does that cost? Okay. What would be an upgrade from that? A cleaning person that comes every week. Okay. How much does that cost? And you basically go through this exercise and dream of, it's a really fun exercise to do like with your partner and a glass of wine and, you know, just a real chill, fun thing in front of the fireplace. And you go through and you kind of sketch out what would your ideal life look like? What's a good, what's good for your life right now? And how much does that cost? And the number is probably a lot less than you think to have a lot of things that you think are like huge extravagant upgrades. And then you can see what that number is and say, Oh, okay. My business needs to bring me $85,000 this year. And I can live this amazing life where I have a cleaning service that comes once a week. I have a massage person that comes to my house, like whatever that looks like for you. I need $85,000. Okay, great. Now we take that number and we put it in as the bottom of the equation for your business. Okay. Kim CEO pay $85,000. And then all the other numbers of your business get built up from there. And then that's how you can figure out what your sales actually need to be in your business. It has nothing to do with, I want to have a six figure business. I want to have a seven figure business, make it tied to this is how much money I need to run my life the way that I want to run my life and then set your sales goals accordingly.
0: I have to confess, I am being so restrained in how many jokes I would like to make about the cleaning person or about the (laughs) massage therapist. Oh, boy. My husband, I I don't know if you just heard him. He snickered behind me. (laughs) (laughs) Because I know we would have different opinions about that cleaning person or that massage therapist.
1: Sure. Sure. Well, and, you know, when I do this with my husband, there are things that he says, Oh really? Like a massage person needs to come to the house. And I'm like, yes. And what would you like your shopping budget to be every month for banana Republic and Johnson and Murphy? Cause he really likes clothes and he works outside of the house. And so he likes to have, like I don't care if I wear, I have like six pairs of yoga pants. We rotate through them, right? Like yes. I don't, I don't have a huge clothing budget cause I don't leave my house very often, but he does. And he really likes nice clothes. And I'm like, okay, you might snicker at my massage therapist, but how much do you want for your banana Republic and your Johnson and Murphy? And he's like, Oh, I get a line item in here too. And it's like, heck yeah. Like this is for, this is, this isn't just for you individually. It can be for your entire family, your entire household. What are the goals that you have to just know what that number needs to be? There is so much power in having clarity of knowing for $85,000 a year, I can live my dream life. And it's like, wow, that's not that much money. I could totally make $85,000 a year, right? And then you can just build everything backwards to get to that number. But if you have no idea how much you need to make, you're setting all of your goals arbitrarily and you're never, you may or may not ever hit them. And it doesn't even really matter because you don't even know if it's the amount of money that you need to live your life.
0: Oh, absolutely. And listeners, we're going to make sure to get that free mini course. Wait, is it free? Oh, for sure. Oh,
1: absolutely. Yeah, absolutely.
0: Yeah. We'll put that link into the show notes. And again, that's at thekimsutton.com forward slash pp040 another tool that I found and sorry to take the light away from you for a second no please please was every dollar which is um one of Dave Ramsey's tools
1: oh uh, yeah
0: and that it does come in a free version but I you know it's meant to help you figure out your personal budget but I even put in all my business expenses but that's another one just like my uh, chalkboard method board here yeah it hasn't been looked at in months so but with that said, I was one of the things that we did this past summer was actually hired a lawn service or a lawn guy to mm. come and to the lawn because mm-hmm. it's amazing, you know, he he didn't charge nearly as much as I thought he would. Yep. And he got the lawn mowed in about five minutes. Coincidentally, yep. Coincidentally, he would often come when I was trying to record podcasts. But All the time. Scheduled there. Every time.
1: They always do. They always do.
0: <laughs> <laughs> but- He's on a riding mower. He gets it done in about five to 10 minutes. Saves my husband because I tried mowing once, didn't go very well. But <laughs> it saves my husband lots of time. I, yeah. I don't even want to put a time on that. And it allows us both to be productive. Absolutely. What I find. And,
1: and you're yeah. helping that person with their business, right? Like oh, you're absolutely. giving that person an opportunity, an economic opportunity to earn money from you. And they're able to do it in a way like talk about productivity. It takes him five minutes to do your lawn. He's making great money, I'm sure for five minutes worth of work. I mean, I pay my lawn guys, I think 40 or 50 bucks when they come to mow. And it takes them, I mean, they're making a very good hourly, you know, if you look at it on an hourly basis versus how long it takes, it's worth every penny for me never to have to think about when the lawn's going to be mowed because they just show up every Wednesday and do it. And that I love the fact that I'm supporting a local business by hiring them to do that thing for me. And I think I feel the same way about a cleaning service, about my local massage, my facials, like all the self-care, that stuff that I do, yoga classes, like I'm supporting another small business by, by doing this and by putting this in my budget, um, And then you don't even have to worry about it. And then again, one less thing floating around in your head that has to be done. It can make you so much more productive because you're not worrying about all those different things.
0: Oh yeah. And we put the budget in there for chores because then I don't have to worry about the dishes or the laundry either. Yep.
1: Yep. Brilliant. Um, Brilliant.
0: I, have you read Think and Grow Rich?
1: Oh, like a hundred times. Yes, of course.
0: (laughs) I'm just wrapping up my first time reading it. Oh, it's so good. I found it almost amusing. He's talking about I don't have page numbers and it's not broken down in chapters. I don't know what's going on. I have the physical version, but in one section he's talking about a couple that lives in New York city. And I think the book was written like 70 or 90 years ago. Mm -hmm. And he's talking about how their breakfast and it's far more extravagant than any breakfast we have in our house, but with eggs and toast and orange juice and all these foods. I mean, here it's just a bowl of cereal that ends up spilling on the floor, Um, but how it costs 20 cents. And then he's looking, and that's for two people. Mm-hmm. And then he's looking at the average budget for a woman's clothing at this time in America. And he's saying the average woman spends $200 a year on clothing. And that blew my mind. I just need to share. That blew my mind because I, like you, have a wardrobe of yoga pants and sweatpants. And yep. Heaven forbid when I start speaking, well, it, it will be fun. There are rare occasions when I like to go shopping.
1: Oh, it's totally fun to go and buy those clothes and to have, you know, dress up days. Right. But I don't want that to be every day of my life where I have to worry about hair and makeup and, you know, are things ironed? Like there's just all this extra time that I'm not spending on doing any of that stuff. But I love when I get to do it because it is something fun and different. You know, it's a break of the routine, which is fun too, but Oh, absolutely. Yes. I yeah.
0: reserve those for date night with my husband.
1: Absolutely. So he
0: enjoys it as well. Absolutely. Um, but yeah. So on that note, I have to ask then, and I have a feeling I know what you're going to say. There are some people, especially mompreneurs who believe that getting dressed up and getting their hair and makeup done every day, make them more productive. Uh-huh. Do you feel like you're any more productive when, when you've showered or if you've put on, you know, makeup or anything? Because personally, I don't. Well, maybe if I shower because I feel like sometimes a shower is caffeinated. Yes. (laughs) I think it depends
1: on the day and I think it depends on what I'm working on. So I wouldn't give like a blanket yes or no answer for that. I find what makes me the most productive is my normal morning schedule. I wake up pretty early in the morning. I'm a naturally early riser. I don't really use an alarm to wake up. And I, I wake up sometimes between somewhere between like 5 a.m. and 5 45. Whatever time I wake up, I'm totally fine with. I Without don't set an alarm. an alarm. Without an alarm. But the bad part about that is no matter what time I go to bed, that's what time I wake up. So even on Saturday mornings, I wake up that early. Even if we're out the night before and we go to bed at midnight, I wake up that early. So it, It's a blessing and a curse. People are jealous of the fact that I can do that, but it's not always great. So (laughs) don't be too jealous. But yeah, without an alarm, and I've always been like that. When I was in high school and like teenagers are supposed to like sleep till noon, I literally would take a pillow. My best friend still talks about this. I would take a pillow with me to her house and I would put a book in it and I would sleep with the book you know, in my pillow because when I would wake up in the morning, like four hours before she would wake up, I would just lay there and read a book. And I've always just been an early riser. My dad is like that too. And anyway, so I wake up early in the morning, but I'm not a like jump right into work in the morning kind of a person. But I also don't have some sort of like magical morning routine where I do journaling and intention setting and all that stuff. I've tried so many times to set that up and I just can't, it's just not my thing. So I just kind of wake up and be like, what do I feel like? Like maybe one morning it's some gentle yoga stretches, maybe another morning I just want to sit, build a fire and read a book. Or maybe I want to jump on my computer and clean out some emails or like whatever it is that I feel like doing. I just kind of let myself do that. Then everyone in my house wakes up, I make breakfast, I pack everybody's lunches, we get ready, I take my son to school, I come home, I grab my dog, and we go for a walk for a half an hour around the neighborhood. That is what makes me the most productive. And I see a huge difference in my day when I don't walk my dog and when I do walk my dog. and. It doesn't matter what outfit I'm wearing. You know, usually a lot of times my walking clothes are what I still have on when my husband comes home from work, and he's like, "Oh, did you just go for a walk?" And I'm like, "Yeah, eight hours ago." You know, but that's what I end up wearing a lot for for the whole entire day. But that that fresh air, and it's not the same. Like on a rainy day, sometimes I'll walk on the treadmill, and I don't get the same level of you know productivity, you know, from it. The the boost from it. It's the outside air. It's the fresh air. It's the exercise. Sometimes, most times I'm listening to a podcast while I'm doing that. So I try and find like, you know, a half an hour podcast if I have calls or I'll do an hour walk if there's a podcast I want to listen to. I walk until the podcast is done. And so however long that takes for whatever it is I want to listen to, that I would say has the biggest impact um, on my productivity of anything.
0: Amy, I'm going to have to borrow that and yeah. take Penny Dog for a walk and maybe I'll have to upgrade her to quarter by the time, you know, <laughs> <laughs> It's good. I love it. I, yeah. I feel bad now that you're talking about that. I don't. We've lived lived in this house for almost three years, and I don't think I have personally ever taken her for a walk in the neighborhood because we have a fenced-in backyard.
1: Right, right, and we do too. You know, we have a fenced-in backyard, and my dog certainly. You know, she likes to go and walk. And I was walking early in the morning, and so I got in the habit of taking the dog with me from a safety issue because she's a hundred pound uh, Rottweiler shepherd kind of something that looks so scary, but she's like the biggest teddy bear dog. And so I would take her with me, you know, instead of pepper spray to go for a walk when it was dark, but then it just grew into this. Well, that timing doesn't really work for me because I'm not really feeling awake enough to like, I don't mind being awake at 545 in the morning. I don't necessarily want to leave my house at 545, especially when it's cold. Um, In the summer, I do walk a little bit earlier if it's going to get hot because we, I live outside of Washington DC and it's so gross and humid here. But yeah, I'm telling you, it is the best thing I can do. And I couple it a lot of times with meditating. So sometimes I meditate first thing in the morning when I wake up. Sometimes I meditate after I come home from my walk. I love it. Here's my, my favorite, like it's the perfect trifecta hat trick, whatever the walk, a podcast that's really inspiring. And I come home and I meditate and it's like, I'm able to almost like pressure cook all the information that I got out of the podcast through my meditation. And then it's like, oh my gosh, I have so many great ideas of things that I can do in my business now today. So I try and do that combination of things. When I know on my calendar, I have an open day that's reserved for working on my business. I don't necessarily do that combination when I know I've got work that it's client based because I don't necessarily need tons of new fresh ideas coming into my head when I'm going to work on my client business. Cause then I'm just frustrated because I can't work on it, but I'll do that It's almost like the perfect recipe of inspiration for the day of an open calendar of client work of non-client work.
0: Oh, I totally hear that about having all those fresh ideas for yourself. I know know you do.
1: You're such an idea person too.
0: (laughs) I I so am. What are some of the systems that you use in your business? We already talked about Asana and we talked about Infusionsoft. Is there one more that really sticks out besides Profitboard?
1: Um, Evernote.
0: Awesome. And is that how you track ideas or how do you record ideas when you do get them?
1: So, uh, Google docs and Evernote combination, mostly Google docs at this point. So most of the ideas that I get are like, Oh, I could write a blog post on that. There's a content idea. There's a thing. I start a new document in the folder for whatever, you know, if it's a blog post idea, I'll start a new document, title it, and then write out like two or three bullet points about what it was that I was going to talk about and I don't necessarily write the whole blog post. Sometimes I do, but sometimes I just like sort of let it sit there in Evernote. I keep a lot of my client notes and I'm transitioning. Like I have this funny thing with Evernote and Google docs. Sometimes I feel like using Google docs and sometimes I feel like using Evernote. So I kind of dance between the two of them. Um, but I use Evernote for a lot of my client notes. Like when I'm on my calls with my clients, I take a lot of notes about what they're working on in their business and things that I could do. I put those in Evernote just in case I ever need to reference them. A lot of times I don't ever go back to them, but then I put the tasks of what I'm responsible for in my Asana.
0: I love it. Yeah.
1: I'm not a big systems person though. I have to be honest. Like I'm not a huge, I'm always looking for a way that I can do things more efficiently, but I'm not, I'm not a big, strong, I'm attracted to the idea of being like super productive and efficient but yes i'm not all the time
0: no i, I have <laughs> attempted too many system setups for my business and in the end what works the best for me is honestly a pen and paper
1: yes yes yeah. absolutely
0: well amy this has been so fabulous i am definitely going to want to bring you back again because i feel like we will have like 18 more episodes so oh my, my gosh we have
1: hours of things that we could talk about together kim
0: oh absolutely <laughs> <laughs> listeners, I'm going to share one more time where you can find all the show notes. And then I'm going to ask Amy to share where you can find her, but you can find all the show notes, the transcript, all of the wonderful links and book titles and resources at the forward slash PP zero four zero. Amy, where can listeners find you online and get in touch? And I know they're going to want to purchase Profit Board or sign up for it. My
1: website is amybradbury.com. And that's the best place that you can find out about everything that I have going on in my business right now. And I will set up a place where they can get the um, Profit Field Life program that we talked about. And we'll put that link in the show notes for them to be able to get that free free little mini course that'll help them with their goal setting.
0: Absolutely. Well, thank you so much again, Amy. You're so welcome. Thank you so much for having me. This was fun. It was. Hey there, this is Kim Sutton, host of the Positive Productivity Podcast, and I just want to take a quick moment to thank you for listening to this episode. If you enjoyed it and were inspired, I would love to hear your feedback. Please take a moment or two and visit the podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, or on my website at thekimsutton.com to leave your rating or review. I'd also like to invite you to join the Positive Productivity Book Club and to find out more about my coaching packages by visiting TheKimSutton.com. Until the next episode, I hope you have a positive and productive day.